Court side of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 373. Andrew with you once again. I am Andrew in the Forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host and fellow NLSC team member is Derek. You know him in the Forum as Deeper3, and he's also Deeper384 on Twitter. I'm happy to be here again. I do want to let our audience know, though, right off the bat, that Andrew and I, quite recently, tried to play a couple games against each other on NBA 2K17 using Steam Play Together and Parsec. That's right, we did. And We did, and it didn't go as well as we were hoping. No, unfortunately not. Uh, both, both ways, it was... Uh, I mean, it worked, don't get us wrong. It actually worked, but as far as being feasible for one of us, uh, <laughs> it simply wasn't. It was, it was just too much, uh, too much input lag. Yeah, there, there was a couple-second delay on shooting and on movement in general and on input that made one of us, um, unfortunately that was you, uh, at a huge disadvantage. And of course me on my end, I'm flying up and down the court and everything's reactive and everything and um, working like perfection on my end. Um, But it just didn't work very well for you. And so that was a little bit disappointing. I got to mess around with the settings a little bit more because how great would it be to, you know, play more against each other, play some of those old titles like Parsec allows you to, and, you know, upload some gameplay. Oh, it'd, it'd be oh really sure. Uh, as, as you said, we used Parsec on the, in the first game. We were using your uh, Ultimate Classic Teams roster for 2K17, and it was such a fun idea, and it had its moments. But, yes, try, trying, to, trying to make a jump shot with that, uh, with that input lag. And I play on, I've played online in recent years, so I'm, I'm aware of input lag, but this is... You know what, this actually made the 2K service look good, so I, I, I owe you an apology, 2K servers. Actually, no, I, I, might, I might not go that far, but, but yes, it, it was, there, were, there was so much input lag on the, on the jump shots that it was uh, very difficult, very difficult to defend, very difficult to react. Um, I, I couldn't host Parsec because I'm still running Windows 7 on my desktop, which, which I know, I know, it's just a matter of uh, uh, not wanting to upgrade at this point for... Uh, uh, until I work out some retro gaming uh, options, basically on my on my PC on my desktop, but uh, yeah, so I, I can't actually host on Parsec for uh, for security reasons. They don't allow Windows Seven uh, systems to host. So we we tried that, and it was as as we said, too much lag. We tried uh, Steam Play. Uh, I think Steam Play uh, was even worse. Steam Play was um, quite a bit worse, actually. And then we tried having you host on Steam Play, and. There was literally, and this is not a this is not a joke. This is not an exaggeration. There was maybe a seven or eight second delay sometimes on inputs. Mm. Remember, you you had the ball on the perimeter, and I did an input, and then by the time it registered, I was shooting a full court three. Yeah, like it, I ended unplayable. Up, it was really <laughs> it was really unplayable. But it was funny because we were playing on using Parsec, and I was using the 0708 Nuggets, and and, and Andrew was using the 1011 Bulls, and because of his input delay he was behind on defense a lot of the time and he couldn't react to my move. So I'm out here with the 0708 Nuggets looking like the Harlem Globetrotters and throwing alley-oops. And, um, oh, well, it was it, worse it, than that. Remember, I was using the 2003 Wizards. So once Jordan went out oh, of the game, it was yeah. <laughs> trying to score with that, uh, with that bench. was uh... That bench is absolutely terrible. I mean, that, that, I, I can't even believe they won as many games as they did with that bench. On M- the Wizards, MJ. Uh, quite frankly, the corpse of Byron, the corpse of Byron Russell, the <laughs> the corpse of Charles Oakley. Pretty uh, much, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it was that's just uh, 
a very bad bench. But yeah, anyway, we tried it and we'll try it again. Maybe, you know, I'll try to mess with some settings, but um, maybe it will work better with some older games. Well, I don't know. That was the other thing we wanted to try was something like a, uh, if we could set up something in, in DOSBox, for example, because or, or even something more recent like Live 06 PC, but if but something older like a, a Jam Torn Edition on DOSBox or, or Live 95 or something like that would be interesting to even just play that, you know, something that old, basically play at land play, something that was never supported back in the day. Yeah, we could, I mean, we could try that, right. And NBA Live 06 is 15 years old now. Exactly. Isn't that wild? 16, yeah, in and, fact, 16. Yeah, 16, 15, 16 years ago, that's crazy. Well, I, I mean, they, they had that uh, famous uh, MJ's famous dunk on the on Ewing in the '91 playoffs. Uh, they celebrated the anniversary of that on April 30th, and uh, it's a high. As I said on Twitter, it's a highlight that never gets old. But realizing that it was 30 years ago makes me feel old. Oh my god! Yeah, anytime I see that, like I was telling you, I was watching the Celtics Indiana series where um, Larry Bird bounces his face off the floor, and I can remember sitting in front of my TV when he did that and the reaction and emotions when he actually came back and, um, and played and, and my, the, my family's reactions to it and then how they ended up winning that game against the Pacers. And then the reality hit me that, you know, Jesus, that's 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Time like, flies. Well, it it really I, has. I, yeah. I can actually remember it. Yeah. It's wild. But uh, no, I'm, I'm keen to give it another go. We've been talking about doing it for a while, uh, setting up Parsec and, and seeing what we can do and, I mean, I mean, if we can get it to work, that's that will be a lot of fun because and because we can play very easily with your rosters or any custom roster. I will say this: it was really easy to set up. I mean, how easy was it for us to install Parsec and Connect? Oh, very like, easy. It yeah, took, very like, easy. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, great program! Like super awesome program, and you know, you were able to see my entire desktop free too. And like, for people wondering, and it's free too for people wondering who are listening to this, um, he's Josh and Dave and you know, Kid Cash and, and Sega Geek Navari, if you guys don't know about it, maybe you're interested in it. Um, but basically, it's a free program. You install it. Um, it takes, what, a couple minutes. Um, and you can connect. And you the your per, the you can host, and if you're hosting, the person on the other end can see your desktop, and he can control games. And he doesn't need to own the game either because he's, you know, playing off of your desktop. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. It's a great, it's a great program. I mean, obviously hardware and internet speed comes into play at a certain point. And, and we were also chatting on Skype at the same time, which, which also takes up a little bit of bandwidth. Not much, but it's, it's all there. So it, it will be worth fiddling around with the settings and, and seeing, us, uh, seeing what else we can do with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try again and we'll give everybody an update. Um, maybe we try it with an older game, but we really did want to play 2K17. And, and I'll say that on my end. I was having a good time for a little bit because obviously it was controlling normal on my end. But, I mean, yeah. the, the, basically it was, I mean, it was frustrating that I couldn't compete. I couldn't be as competitive as I wanted, but the, the basic idea, what, what sucked was when I made a really good move with MJ for that mid range, uh, that mid range jump shot and then got the late timing on it and, and missed. It's like, Oh man, that was a good move too. And it looked good. Yeah, you, you did, you did like a good looking move and you'd get into the seams where MJ would in real life, like kind of at that, like either like elbow extended or free throw line extended yep. and you just pull up and by the time you released it you were like landing because of the input lag so yeah i mean it, it sucked and that that you hit a bs end of quarter three-pointer with jerry stackhouse <laughs> uh um, yeah 
which never should have gone in, and it bounced high off the rim. Like I think it hit the top of the backboard and then it went in. But I mean, you made the Russells, man. You can't blame that. So <laughs> it's my 100 my fault that Stackhouse made that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> speaking of old games, uh, just following up on a previous report, and I did post a bulletin about this over the weekend as well. Uh, apparently, uh, Sony has had a change of heart, Derek. Uh, Jim Ryan put out a blog on the official PlayStation blog uh, there and mentioned that they're going back on their idea. This is actually from a couple of weeks ago. I, I've neglected to post a bulletin until now, uh, so you, people may already know. But yes, uh, Sony is going back on their idea to shut down the uh, PlayStation Store for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita. Uh, the PSP Store is still closing as of uh, July 2nd now, but uh, the PlayStation 3 store was going to close down as of August 27th this year, 2021. Uh, that is not going to happen now. It's going to remain open. They haven't given a date of closure, probably for a few years at least from the, the sounds of things. They have listened to the game of feedback, the uh, the outcry over what we talked about a couple of episodes ago. And, and yeah, so that's, that store will remain open, and that means that NBA Jam on Fire Edition uh, will also remain available uh, at least for a little while longer. Well, you received a lot of backlash for those comments, and, and we talked about some of the comments that were underneath the thread, um, you know, about the older titles and about how people still love them and how they hold up gameplay-wise and even sometimes graphics-wise and whatnot. So that doesn't really surprise me. Now, I do want to exercise caution on this because, I mean, obviously he's responding to that um, to that backlash, but remember that his comment was squarely based on his dislike for ps1 and ps2 games for the, the not not like ps3 so i don't know what's available on the playstation 3 store i don't know if you can get some of those ps1 ps2 games i have a playstation 3 but i don't play it a lot but really what he was saying was is man these ps1 and ps2 games just do not hold up how could anybody play these games well that's so that's, that's true that's true and, and obviously even though there are disc versions of the ps5 they don't have the old hardware in them, and they don't have an, an emulator at, at this uh, at this time, a software emulator either. So they don't they won't play those old games. PS4, yes. PS3, two and one, uh, no. And of course, the original PS3s did have the PS2 architecture in them for backwards compatibility, but that was taken out in the later models. The model that I have won't play PS2 games. Although on the PlayStation Store for PlayStation 3, I did just pick up Liberty City Stories GTA. Uh, Liberty, uh, Liberty City Stories, yes. Vice City Stories was removed a couple of years ago, probably because of uh, music licensing. It's not back in the store yet. So there are a few PS2 classics that are available on PS3. So if you've still got a PS3, there are a few digital releases uh, that you can get. Can I just say something? I don't know how you guys can play GTA. I know that I know that some people just... It's like almost like, a, like a, almost like if you like the original... You know what I mean? Like, if you like the gameplay of the original, you just kind of, like, start... You kind of enjoy the newer ones. It seems like with GTA, that's the way it seems. It seems like people that play GTA are... They're, like, almost, like, lifelong players of the series. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I just couldn't... I can never get into those games. I, I just... They do nothing for me. Yeah, uh, I suppose if you if you never got into them, maybe... The, the newer ones, I don't think, will will draw you in because they haven't really evolved that much from a gameplay standpoint, I suppose. So, in that respect, yeah, if you, if you never the really... the same theme. Right, right. It'd be the same theme, right? Like, in most of the games. The same themes, are very similar controls. Obviously, there are some new mechanics and things that you can do in in more recent games, but, yes, yeah, certainly they are very similar. It, it's more about the story and, and liking the the style. I mean, it, yeah, 
it's I suppose that's the best way of uh, of, of putting it. But yeah, they, they, um, on PlayStation Four and Five, they have the original PlayStation Two trilogy has been updated, but they haven't put the uh, these uh, stories spin-offs on there yet. But there there is that one on PS Three, so I did pick that up very cheap just to. Uh, and I do own it on PS Two. It's more more a case of just having it there on PS Three for uh, for convenience and uh, and make being able to record off the HDMI and everything with the Elgato. But uh, yeah. Obviously, Jam on Fire Edition is still on there. Uh, it's about the only NBA game left. That and NBA 2K12, the only ones available digitally. So it's it, it's not as... For, for basketball gamers, it's not as big a, a deal. But, I mean, On Fire Edition is great. On Fire Edition is an amazing game. I just want to make a point really quick. And I wasn't trying to be a snob there with that, with GTA, because people can say with me, like, how could you enjoy Boogerman? Like, how could <laughs> you enjoy Conan Exiles? How could you play Elder Scrolls Online for 300 hours with your brother? Like, I totally... I just... Those games, that style and the story and all of that stuff, I just... I could never get into it. No, so it was a... Yeah. It's about that. Um, but I'm, yeah, on Fire Edition's a great game. I mean, look, if, if you didn't alienate people with your uh, anti-guacamole stance, I mean, we're, we're golden, I think. Yeah, our listeners haven't gone down since that. No, not at all. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Obviously, not a lot of guacamole fans in the basketball game community, but <laughs> these yeah. uh, who'd have thought these these demographics and the crossovers and whatnot. But uh, in any case, good news for the PS3. Uh, as far as backwards compatibility, though, one final point. You know, if they came out with an emulator, an official emulator for PS5 that said, "Okay, you can pop. If you have a disc version, you can pop any discs in from one, two, and three. Place one, two, and three, and but we're going to sell it to you for about the cost of a." just a recommended retail price of a regular game, but it's yours then, and it'll work with 95%, 99% of the library, whatever. You know, maybe it makes me a, a tool for capitalism, a fool for capitalism, but I'd pay for it. I, I'd, I would buy that official emulator if it was that good. Just to, just hey, for the convenience. The just convenience. We, you know, just for our listeners to understand what type of gamers Andrew and I are, um, just remember I'm the same person that bought the Sega CD at, add-on for a Sega Genesis um and i also purchased a jaguar 64 bit so like for me like stuff like that i mean like you said maybe i'm a sucker or something like that or maybe you're a sucker but add-ons you know being able to play more games um you know the excitement of you know popping in those games and like you said collecting and all of that stuff uh i mean it matters and i love it and like i said you know having a sega genesis with a sega cd attached was awesome being able to get both sega genesis games and sega cd games um you know be able to go from you know sewer shark to um and i love bringing up sewer shark josh and dave know that <laughs> yeah. um yeah, it's, it's your bot versus space mutants quite frankly basically except my game's better um true, sewer shark, very, very true uh, <laughs> and no argument. Jam, no argument like that. but i mean it's as content creators as well because you and i do like to play those old games and do videos or articles on them to be able to put them in a modern console that has uh, video capture and screenshot capture. I mean, th- that's there's convenience there. And look, I do have the consoles. I have them. I've put some shelves up a while ago, and I've got all my consoles there that I can switch around to the TV. Fantastic. But at the same time, if I could pack some of them away or not have to connect them up, if I could just very quickly pop a PS1 game in the PS5 and just to get some screenshots or whatever great you know it's 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 about convenience as much as anything else and that's that's again that's something we talked about a couple of episodes ago uh when this came up uh but yeah i, I would absolutely pay for the, an official emulator i mean should it be a part of the system sure but if they were to sell it 
I'd still get it, I have to say. So would I. And I don't know what my price point would be as far as, like, a limitation where I said I wouldn't. Like, I, I mean, I'd probably pay a decent amount of money for that. Um, Cost of a regular game, $60, $70 US? Yeah, I'd, I'd pay for that. Maybe a little bit more. Um, I also want to make a, make a point, too, about this. And i got to make a YouTube video for my channel to show people how I do it. You know, for those people that, you know, play on PC and they're not depending on an Elgato or anything like that or can't use Elgato for certain games that they're trying to, you know, capture and whatnot, I showed you the um, action, some of the highlights off of the the program I use. Oh, works great. For, yeah. yeah. How awesome is that? Fantastic. I'm yeah. sure. Like, I feel like that is the most underrated capturing software that not enough people know about. Like they, they, I mean, it's cheap. It's it's like, it's only like 20 or 30 bucks. Sometimes it goes on sale and it allows you to absolutely do everything. You know, for those people that want to take their highlights of NBA games, um, NBA video games and all of that stuff, I definitely recommend Morellis action. Um, All of my, most of my videos on my YouTube channel are made with it. You know, it has time shift, so you can take highlights, just 10-second intervals, 15, 20, whatever you decide on. Um, you can sc- you can record from emulators, from any application, in, like, perfect quality. It's just, I, it's underrated. It's that, really uh, The time shift, I think, is what impressed me most. That's a very handy feature that uh, if you if you aren't recording but then realize, oh, yes, I did want that. Yeah, it's obviously very handy. And once again, this podcast is not sponsored, but it could be. Exactly. And maybe I should reach out to them and be like, hey, listen, I'd love to promote you because I like it. And they're they're It's non-invasive. Like you don't get hit with ads or anything like that. It's just a program and it takes up minimal resources and you don't get like a frame rate hit or anything. It's just I'll stop going. But like I need to make a video like basically uh, on how I do this and maybe we'll get more people to use the program. I showed you some of the like 2K19 highlights. Yep, the yep, definitely worth it. Yeah. So from old games to looking ahead to NBA 2K22, which of course will be coming out later this year, we're a ways off from getting news, Derek, and we're not going to be, you know, back in the day with the podcast, we would, it seemed like every week we're saying, oh, you know, it's a long way to news. We're not going to be doing that every week. Obviously, it's, it's probably going to be about August before we see anything of substance, maybe around June, July at the, at the very earliest, but probably August. Uh, since we only have the one game coming out, or that we know of anyway, and it has been that way for most of the last decade as well, uh, the previous season has definitely become like that. But that being said, we always look forward to getting the new game. We have high hopes for it. We want to enjoy it. Uh, As much as we may criticize the games, we do want to enter them with a positive attitude and a hopeful attitude, and we want them to to entertain us and be a fun experience on the virtual hardwood. But uh, we will be covering that as as the previous season gets underway. But as we look ahead to the previous season, uh, we, we can't help but reflect on the big, the big announcements, the big additions over the years, the, the features and content that were added in previous games that really excited us. And we wanted to talk about that this week and maybe what we're hoping for in NBA 2K22 as well. There has been a lot of stuff over the years, Derek, that has made us you know, very excited when we see it uh, come out in the previous season. No, oh, yeah, I think this is... Um, I was pretty excited to actually uh, to touch on this. There's some stuff that's come out recently and i want to say starting in nba 2k 16 mostly that were new features implemented that um, they can still build off of too and um, they can make them a little bit better um they can be more creative with them um they can implement some of them in offline mode or outside of my league and whatnot but there's new features that came in starting in like 2k 16 that are just awesome 
for NBA 2K. And, you know, sometimes we talk about it, you know, how, how the gameplay hasn't caught up with some of the depth and some of the depth is, you know, kind of fake depth. Um, or, uh, and, you know, in certain ways that the games have either regressed or declined, but there's definitely a lot of great ideas and new features that have been implemented. Um, and I do want to say, especially since 2K16 and with a um, also mention of 2K11, I mean, those do definitely stand out. And, and 2K16, with the rebranding and relocation in uh, in, my, in my league at the time, and we still have that in my NBA, and we have even more customization now, this is the stuff we didn't expect to see. And perhaps a lot of people at the time thought, well, what else can you do with a franchise mode? And relocation, rebranding, is something that people who are really into the mode obviously thought of. But the average person might think, well, we can already play 80 seasons, which which some might say is overkill. I don't think many people get through that many seasons, but certainly you can get through multiple seasons. You can you get the real draft classes if you create them, download them. You've got uh, the deep simulation features, the uh, sim cast and everything else. So it, it's already a very deep mode to begin with, and now of course you've got historical draft classes as well. But when you actually add something like the relocation and the rebranding, that's, that is very special. And again, it's, it's something perhaps we never, never thought we'd see especially because the NBA is very careful about what they allow when it comes to, and this is one of the reasons why modding isn't uh, isn't officially supported or, or why it's kind of difficult. The NBA is very particular about what goes into their game and what can be done with their license. So the fact that they do allow that was, was a big step in gaming and, and, and very cool to see. I want to make a, make a quick point too. Um, kind of a, a big deal in our, in my family. So you talked about how 80 seasons, right? Like, who plays that? So um, we don't. And my brothers and I, remember I talked about on a previous episode that we had a season where we were all playing on the same team team on NBA 2K17, and we actually finished the regular season. I talked about all the awards um, and, you know, the stats and stuff like that and and how it's the first ever season we ever finished in our lives. As many basketball video games as we've played, it's the first time we've ever finished a a season together on the same team. Um, Well, we finished the playoffs, too. Uh, and we won the title. So we got to see the NBA 2K17 trophy presentation, um, you know, the Eastern, uh, the Eastern Conference Champions um, presentation and stuff. But that was a big deal for us. So I don't know how people, because that's a lot of time to spend on the game. And we play 12-minute quarters. So unless you're simming, like, how do you get through even close to that many seasons? But again, yeah, we did. We, we, we finished a full NBA 2K17 season in our lineup just for, for fun. And I think some of, some of you will enjoy these names. So for the season, I locked on Kobe Bryant. Nick locked on um, Kevin Garnett. And my brother Mark used the rest of the players. And the roster was made up of Walter McCarty, um, a lot of video game legends, uh, Walter Herman, um, Kyle Korver, Troy Murphy, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Rick Fox. Um, guys like that, and it was uh, it was a blast. It's almost, it's sad that the season's actually over. To be honest with you, it does feel like an achievement. I, I know what you mean when you play every single game, twelve minute quarters, no simulating, and, and absolutely you need to either play the shorter quarters or simulate or both. Uh, I know when Kenny played the next level in NBA Live Ten, his uh, infamous story thread, which has had an overdue induction into our uh, stories Hall of Fame recently. You can go and check it out there in that section. I know that he did simulate a couple of years and, and was simulating some games here and there and also playing, I believe, uh, eight-minute quarters at the time. So it, you definitely have to 
shortened things to get through that many years. And even then, I think he got up to about year 17, which was, a, which was amazing, over a few years too, playing that game Live 10. And I think once it gets to 80 years in the future as well, the fact that you've still got Shaq commentating, you know, and the same commentators as well, I think there's a certain amount of immersion broken at that point that all the players have moved on, but you've still got, you know, you've still got the same announcers. I, I don't right. know. Shaq, and Shaq would be like 130 years old. Exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, which, that, that is conceptually the problem with, with that. And... Twenty. I mean, it's funny that we're coming up on, and this is the other scary thing you talk about getting older. Uh, the first franchise mode in basketball games was NBA Live 2000, and we're getting to the point where you know I remember simulating through the 25 years with my cousin back in the day, just to you know just to see what would happen going through 25 years. We're almost at that point now, almost 25 years later. We're, we're you know we're getting up to. Like, I remember simulating there. We're like, oh, 2016, 2017. Wow, you know that just seems so futuristic. And and now that's in the past. A few years in the past. It's uh, kind of mind blowing actually. But that's the point. How how many seasons can you get through uh, before you move on to a, a new game? Uh, it's 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 better to have more than you need. Uh, but I do think that 80, 80 is probably overkill. It's uh, it's just a I suppose if you really want to get uh, crazy with it. But in, in any case, a franchise modes I think is. Uh, <laughs> One of the biggest innovations, franchise and career modes, the biggest innovations uh, in basketball gaming. I think if uh, you're going to go 80 years in the future and you're going to allow that, at least let us play with robots like 70 years in. Like, let's make it interesting. Like, re- really make it futuristic. You want, uh, like, you want some Dunk Lords the hoops in high. there? Yeah, exactly. Some Dunk Lords type gameplay. Um, I do want to say for, you know, for those who are looking for different concepts of, you know, maybe you want to play on the same team with somebody. Maybe you want to utilize Parsec or something. A new idea that we just started, and we played a few games of the season um, last night, actually. We started a, a second season on 2K17, and we have a starting lineup of Nick. So it's basically um, past starting lineup, um, not present and future bench. So basically what happens is I'm locking on Julius Irving, Nick's locking on David Robinson, and we have the traditional lineup of Corver, McCarty, and Herman in the starting lineup. But on the bench we have, I lock on Zion Williamson for a quarter. Nick uses Taco Fall. He locks on him off the bench for the third quarter. And then my brother Mark uses guys um, from now like um, Latko, um, Kankar, um, Chanchar, and Ryan Brokoff, and, and people that we talk about in the NBA now. We're playing now so it's kind of an interesting concept so if anybody's looking for something to try something new um and it's, it was really fun we i mean we had a blast and obviously with fantasy rosters it doesn't realism goes out the window anyway so it doesn't really matter whether you know if you go 30 40 years into the future somehow with the fantasy rosters and you still got the same people commentating it doesn't really matter you're already mixing up history the timelines are already messed up anyway have fun with video games, people. Absolutely, yeah. Like, it's it's okay. Like, it's okay to, you know, to try these different concepts out and have fantasy matchups and, you know, whatever you're having fun with. I'm just glad I get to enjoy it with them, too. Um, but, you you know, you brought up 2K16. Uh, excuse me, I brought up 2K16, and we were talking about that a little bit before the call. There's two things that happened with NBA 2K16 that just changed gaming and modding. Um in the basketball space, uh, not only was it, you know, the relocation of teams, the being able to create jerseys, create custom courts, upload your images, all of that stuff in my league, but it was also the fact that they added all of those new classic teams in 2K16. So it went from, you know, it capped out 
you know, in the past games at the 2001 and um, Lakers and Sixers, right? But then they were like, on 2K16, we're going to add more recent classic teams. And this was more my youth, the, you know, part of my youth um, in young adult life was the early 2000s and mid late 2000s so they added the 0708 Celtics the 0405 Suns the o, um the 0708 um Rockets the um you know those te- those um more recent teams and it just added a whole new dimension to um the classic uh, being able to use the classic teams and you know mod the classic teams and it gave us more uh data and assets and stuff like that that we can use so 2K16 was pretty groundbreaking in a lot of different ways I did like that they added teams that, and obviously they'd already added a lot of past champions and and their, their opponents and other prominent teams. But I liked that they added some. I'll use the word unorthodox, not not necessarily unorthodox in every case. But they added they started adding some teams like your, your two thousand Raptors, two thousand Blazers, uh, kind of your one off teams or something that was interesting about them. Uh, it, so it wasn't just something that uh, it wasn't just holdover teams from the Jordan Challenge, which of course another great innovation, or NBA's greatest the following year. They've, they held over some t- uh, the great teams that were in, that were added by that. Uh, it, it wasn't just champions and their opponents or, or perennial contenders and, and so forth teams that made sense to include from that perspective, but also some unorthodox teams that may not have been overly successful, but were very very fun video game teams. And I think that was very important. And that's why I've written a lot of, I think I'm up to about part 11 of, of the Friday Five series about teams that they should, richer teams I'd love to see added. Some of them already have been added, in fact. But I, I've tried to be creative in those articles because 2K has opened up the door to have these retro teams that that perhaps they don't spring to mind immediately. But you think, oh, that, that actually is a very fun team to play with in a video game. And, and that's a great decision, a great direction on top of having those all-time great teams. Right, exactly. The 99-2000 Raptors didn't do much, but they did have Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. So that's a fun video game team. And they had Kevin Willis and Antonio Davis and Alvin Williams and Dee Brown. Um, like, overall, it's a fun video game team to use. They even had Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, uh, two, on... two, two, 2003 Mavericks. Uh, again, I mean, they were, right. they, were, they were pretty good, but again, it was kind of, they, they didn't, they, they weren't a champion. They, they didn't, I don't think they even made the Western Finals, did they, that year? They did not. Um, that was the, yeah, exactly. The 0203 Mavericks who, who had, um, you know, Walt Williams and Adrian Griffin and, and whatnot. Yeah. They, I don't think they did. They, I think they won 50 games, but they weren't like a Titan Titan. They weren't like, I don't think they were a true contender. Um, but you know, I, I talk about that with the video game teams and one of my favorite teams to go back and use, um, and even, you know, the thought of using them is like those mid 2000s, Steve Francis, Steve, Stephon Marbury Knicks. And I want to say that they're in NBA 2K8 um, as on the Knicks. And either that 2K8 or 2K7, I can't remember. I think it was 2K8 uh, or both. Um, They weren't together long, but Steve Francis and Stephon Marbury in a video game on the same team as a backcourt, you really can't get much better than that. uh, 2007 was the only official, uh, well, part of the way through, of course, the 2006 season, if you updated uh, Live 06 or 2K6 indeed. But... Yes, uh, out of out of the box, so to speak. Uh, Live 07 was was the uh, or in 2K7 were the uh, their short. So it was 2K7. Together. Yeah, 2007 yeah, season was there. So 2K7. Only full season together. That's right. Yeah. So just looking back at the uh, 
Actually, those uh, I have to correct myself here. The 2003 Mavericks uh, did actually get to the conference finals. They lost to the Spurs 4-2, the eventual champion Spurs, four, four games to two. They won 60 games that year. So they, they did actually do pretty well. Uh, they kind of dropped I think I was off. Of the team. Yeah, I think I was thinking of the 0102 team because remember I swapped them out in 2K17. That was the second, second round. 50, 57 wins. Those early early 2000s Mavericks really just came on. 53, 57, 60 wins, 52, 58, 60. Look how, yeah. Look how stacked the 0304 Mavericks were. I oh, mean, they had, yeah. uh, they had Anton Jameson. They had Antoine Walker. Um, and yes, people, Antoine Walker was a very good player, um, especially at that point in his career. But yeah, they had Antoine, uh, Antoine Jameson, Antoine Walker, Steve Nash, Michael Finley, um, Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, they were really, really deep. That was a very good team. And they didn't make it as far as the 0203 team. No, that was a tip, all about the Timberwolves and Lakers that year. Do you remember in 2002, of course, just the 2002 offseason that is, they almost got Michael Red as well. So that 2003 Mavericks also could have had a, a young Michael Red coming into his own. Uh, he, he signed yeah, that's the, a very young Michael Red, but he was starting to um, he was starting to blossom. He was, yeah. He he was um, he he signed the offer sheet with the Mavericks, uh, and, and I have talked about this in articles before. I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast. I know I've mentioned it on social media on our uh, trivia Thursdays, and, and also in uh, Wayback Wednesday and, and some Friday Five articles as well. But because Michael Red signed the offer sheet uh, very late in the off season. He he was on the Mavericks for a while officially until they until the uh, Bucks matched his his contract. But the cutoff date for NBA Live 2003 PC was a couple of days before they matched the uh, the, the contract. So he's actually on the Mavericks in NBA Live 2003 PC by default. Uh, so it's one of those interesting things where it's represented in the game, but then a couple of days after the game's rosters were finalized and the game was uh, went gold pressed. Uh, yeah, the, the Bucks matched, and he he actually went back to the uh, to the Bucks. One of those rare situations that happened because of the the cutoff date at the time uh, of the roster and the release of NBA Live 2003 PC, and also at the time, of course, uh, restricted free agents had uh, 15 days that, uh, on the offer sheet that the uh, original team had to match. So it's one of those perfect storm situations where they had a really weird situation in uh, Live 2003 PC. I'm curious. Do they have him starting? Because Michael, F- you can't start Michael Red over Michael Finley. Uh, he's coming off the bench. Just, he's off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. That makes a lot more sense. Okay, um, but no, you know, circling back to to new features, like you had mentioned, you know, you mentioned 2K11, um, and I mentioned it at the top of the segment. Uh, 2K11 is what officially brought in classic teams, um, because if people people remember, might remember all decade teams that were in NBA 2K10, um, in 2K9 and whatnot. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, and I know this is kind of going off again on another tangent, but hey, you know, sometimes that happens. One thing that's really frustrating about the old NBA 2Ks, um, and I guess you could call this part of the feature segment anyway, um, you know, before NBA 2K9, is you can't move the legends. Yeah, They're stuck yeah. on the decade teams, and you can't move them. You can't sign them to regular teams. You can't trade them to regular teams. There's no legends pool. So, you know, my brothers and I, we like to play legends. We like to put legends, the best players to ever play on the same team and take on regular NBA teams. It's just a fun thing that we do. We can't do that. Um, They started allowing you to do it in NBA 2K9, and then you can also do it in 2K10. And then obviously with 2K11, they came out with all the, like the classic teams and whatnot. But that was always a weird thing. It, it was, yeah. It's, it's that and not being able to edit the default East and West All-Stars is just one of those things that 
one of those strange roster editing things we've never really had, the limitations. And and we've talked about, I think, some of those limitations in previous uh, podcasts as well. Maybe we've touched on this. But not, not being able to edit the All-Star teams and, and certainly having that restriction of not having a Legends pool and not being able to take players off those teams. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly is restrictive. Um, you, know, the, you, you, you play with the Legends the way they wanted to, essentially. So it, yeah, it's it, where it, live it, live was ahead of 2K for a long time was Legends, right? The Legends pool, yeah, like, absolutely. If you think yeah. about it, they had the Legends pool. Um, you in you know even up to NBA Live 09 um, for PS2, uh, you you had the Legends pool, which is just so frustrating to play a game like say so NBA Live 08. I told you this before the call. My brother and I started a recent Legends season, and NBA Live 08. Not only do you have multi-team use in season mode um, and whatnot. But you also have the ability to have a Legends pool and use Legends. But in NBA Live 08 for PlayStation 3, um, they were like, yeah, we're not going to allow you. You're not going to have Legends. Mm. No Legends pool, none of that. So how does the upgrade have less features? How it's quote-unquote upgrade to the new console. Um, how does it have less features than the PS2 version? They, re- they really just neglect that historical content. So it, it was. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that it, and I've talked about this before, again, in articles and on the podcast, but if you look at the player's database file for NBA Live 8 PC, you can see there is leftover data for 10 historical teams, including the 86 Celtics and 96 Bulls. So before they put the FIBA teams in, it seems that they were going to actually have full historical teams. And that would have happened a couple of years before 2K did it with the Jordan Challenge. So imagine, again, the ultimate history that could have been if, if, if EA had made these good decisions, these better decisions with NBA Live. But they could have had historical teams in Live 08, released in 2007, if they'd got the licensing for it. It's, you know, it's, it's what, what a huge what if. I want, to bring, I want to bring this up, too, is NBA Live 08 for PS2, they were still working hard on this game. I'm sorry, but from a presentation element, um, if you look through the menus, like the real highlights playing through the menus, um, the, the Legends pool, um, the, the revamp in graphics, if you look at NBA Live 08 for the PC, if you look at the graphics of it, they compl- I mean, excuse me, for PS2 and whatnot, they completely rehauled it from NBA Live 07. The gameplay is sharp still um, overall. Um, it has a different look. I, I believe it also has different camera views. Live 08 for PS2 wasn't just a throw-in, in my opinion. Uh, like there are some still, there are still some good qualities in it, and they added stuff. And like you said, it sounds like they were almost looking at, you know, adding classic teams, even to it. Um, so I, I just don't understand why they couldn't have done better on NBA Live 08 for PS3, and why you know the depth and stuff like that, like, like we're talking about, wasn't more of a focus. It's so for you know we talk about new features. How about keeping features? Well, that, that, that's been How the big thing. How about actually keeping because are expanding on them, right? I, I mean, I, I was going back and forth, um, you know, with a chat with, uh, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Teddy Bear the Gamer on, on Twitter. We were talking about freestyle superstars. That we, that was a big feature for for two games. Two, you know, that, and we think about it, and, and people remember freestyle superstars. It was it was in all of two games. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand. And the, the mind blowing thing about that, like you had stated, you know, prior is they put it as a new feature in live 06 when they were coming out with the next gen version. And then they didn't put it in the new next gen version. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be an upgrade, right? It's supposed to be like an upgrade. It's supposed to be the new version. It's supposed to have not only the same existing depth that was in the prior version, excuse me, the last gen version, but also more. 
It's supposed mm-hmm. to be an enhancement. So, like, if I ever, which I won't, because I'll never have the money to do it, um, but if I ever got into making games and stuff like that, and we were, you were, like, moving into different platforms and everything, I would never allow the new version on the newest console, the enhanced version, um, the game that's being marketed the most, I would never allow that to have less depth, less features than the prior one. I mean, we, we've, like, we've seen what a mistake it is with live. It's Even 2K, you look, you look at, at 2K14 as on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, as, as sold of a release that was, losing some rating functionality, custom teams, uh, not having the traditional association mode, you had the new MyGM, which used virtual currency, you had to purchase and unlock the ability to reorder your roster. Uh, there was a lot of design flaws and, and bad design choices in 2K14, uh, I mean, the graphics were this huge jump. Gameplay was at least as good as, as prior gen, if not better. So it, it, the fact that it was... I, I'm so glad that they did avoid... For, for all the issues we've talked about in 2K21, the fact that 2K21 next gen, or you know, if you want to call it current gen now, whatever, the, the PlayStation 5 and, um, and Xbox Series X, the fact that that didn't lose any depth or any features compared to the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, that they they learned from that. I'm so glad they did because I I didn't think I, I I had a pretty good idea that they were going to carry it all over this time because I think they realized the mistake with 2K14. But I, I'm so glad that they did because that was a that's, that's a big it's a big knock against 2K14 for all its good we points. Talk, yeah, during the preview season and everything of 2K21 um, for next gen. I mean, before we were even getting a lot of the news and everything, we I, we had talked about that and I, I said on the podcast i was like they're not going to make the same mistake twice like i have a feeling this is going to be fully featured mm. you know what i mean and it was um so yeah we were both hoping and expecting them to learn from that mistake and they did so it, it was nice to be able to jump right into nba 2k21 next gen and you know have that same my league functionality customization functionality and all of that that you get on like 2k21 pc and whatnot um, but yeah, circling back. So, you know, we were talking about new features, you know, the greatest new features in basketball games. One of them was the ability to even have legends in all decade teams. You know, if you go back and you look at games like Bulls versus Blazers and whatnot, they didn't have them. But if you go and look at, I want to say like NBA action 94, that team, you know, it's not the NBA live didn't start this. And NBA 2K didn't start this either. Um, you know, games like NBA Action had classic teams. They have teams with, like, Rick Barry and whatnot mm. on them. Not not classic teams, excuse me, all-decade teams. Um, and I don't know, I can't remember if they're called, like, you know, certain years, like 70s or 80s, or if they're called, like, Legends um, or Legends 1 or something like that. But if you want to go back and look, I mean, those games deserve credit for putting in, and I want to say they they may be, and I'm going to have to do some research on this, those NBA action games may be the first games to have all-decade teams, See, or that, Legends teams. That's a forgotten part of basketball gaming history, because I, I didn't play those games growing up. I, I didn't have a, a Sega console, so I didn't get to play them. So that's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look into that as well. And then you, you look at a game like NBA Starting 5 2005, which had some classic teams in it as well. So... 
you know, there's these other games apart from these mainline games that you know the, the big two, if you will, live and two K, the ones that have been the, the dominant brand live in its day and two K over the last 10, 15 years at least, although they've innovated a lot or taken it further, it is interesting that they didn't always innovate. Although Live 2000 was the debut of franchise mode, and of course it had the Legends Pool and the All-Decade teams and, and Michael Jordan, which was a very big deal, obviously, when that happened, uh, signing him to appear as a, as a legend. And then, of course, he came back a couple of years later anyway, but uh, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, there are some early games that have innovated or had these features or, or content that you do forget that they were the the originators yeah i was just looking it up so it's like nba action 94 um had legends and i encourage anybody to look that up um but yeah we we you know we forget about those you know a lot of times uh there's a lot of i don't know if we want to call it solid thinking um but kind of just thinking nba live and nba 2k right because they're the most recent um they're the only ones who have been coming out with games over the last decade or so um, nba live nba 2k nba live nba 2k but people got to remember there were a lot of different companies making basketball video games and a lot of um people doing different things in that space prior um and we forget about some of the you know companies and games that kind of were the grandfathers of a lot of these features uh you know i talked about something on Tecmo Super NBA Basketball where they actually have like player portraits. And and for me, that was the first time I saw a game. And I mean, they're digitized, but you can tell it's D Brown, right? Exactly. Like, you can yeah. tell it's Larry. Bird. They have that as a feature where you can go in, you view your player and it shows their name. And then underneath them, it shows them like a picture of them. And we thought that was so cool back then i mean it's the early 90s we we're like wow this is amazing this is like <laughs> yeah. real life they like to realize looking at a basketball. When, right. when you're talking about 16-bit consoles something like that and, and to, for it to actually look uh in, in any way like a real portrait which which they did they, they did a pretty good 16-bit rendering of those of starting out with those portraits it, it was a big deal right and it also kept stats and it's the one of the first times and maybe it'd be the first time where this in uh, like a game that we played during the season was keeping stats. And it was part of that same setup where you go in and you view the player and it shows their stats and it shows their portrait and everything. And we're like, Oh my God, this is awesome. I know that Josh and Dave aren't a huge fan of Tecmo super NBA basketball because of the charging calls. And they don't think the game was super balanced, but if you actually look at feature wise and presentation wise and what they had depth wise for that game, I feel like it was definitely ahead of its time. Well, um, you look so at the, the... the early EA games, the NBA playoff series, the forerunner to NBA Live. It was that those first few games were just the playoffs. They literally were just the playoffs, no season mode. So originally, just having a full 82-game season where you could play through the regular season and have your own custom playoff brackets, and when you get to the postseason, that was an innovation to begin with. Um, more recently, you know, I mentioned Freestyle Superstars. Something like that, something like Dynamic DNA, Play DNA... Uh, powered by Synergy, those are the kinds of things that, as games were trying to become more and more realistic and and more, I, I guess, dynamic in a way, and have that that uh, reflect reality and have those deep tendencies and be powered by real statistics and real data, so it wasn't just uh, some ratings guy guessing and trying to approximate uh, the uh, the ratings. You know, th- those were big things at the time when they came through as well. Those were big innovations, and, and even if they didn't last that long in that incarnation. 
they evolved into something else. So Live 08 brought us go-to moves, and we had more signature animations, some of which made it into the prior-gen version and, and the PC version. So the, those gameplay features, right stick dribbling, finally making its debut well, first in Live 2003. Uh, and then, I was about to say that. And then, of you course, a huge thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and then when 2K finally adopted it properly in uh, 2K13 with the right stick isomotion, was, that was that was a huge step forward, and I think that also has. I know it made it more accessible to me as a long-time NBA Live player. Uh, I think if you look at the way the series really exploded, and, and I know Live struggles helped, obviously, and, and you know, when it's the only option, what other option do you have? Obviously, but it may. I think a lot of people once it got right stick dribbling, it just made that dribbling system so much better, so much more accessible to people who, if they didn't like what Live was doing in other areas really liked the control system and i think 2k has, has just they, they've taken some ideas that live has done we talked about this before and just done them as well or better and it's that's why the series has gone from strength to strength adopting some of those good ideas yeah i want to point out too another one of the best features and it came out in you know somewhat recent nba 2k games is um you know and, and where we noticed it by far the most and where it's kind of actually regressed or excuse me, declined since then, um, was the ability to choose which hand you ch- you finish with. I, oh, I yes, think, yes. you know, the joystick and, and being able to go down the middle of the lane and say, you know what, I see a defender on my left, I want to finish with my right, um, or vice versa, or, um, you know, attacking the baseline and saying, I want to do a reverse layup or dunk, so I'm going to choose to do that, um, and pushing the joystick towards the out-of-bounds line or whatever. Um in order to execute it, I think those are new features that fly under the radar and not enough people talk about. And in 2K17, I use it all the time. If I'm on the fast break and somebody is like on my side, say on my right side, I'm going to try to finish with my left hand. And I can do that easily. Um, with the controller, it's, it's very reactive and, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and the ability to do a flashy dunk by, you know, holding, going backwards on the joystick for camera relative controllers on broadcast cam, you know, you go backwards on the joystick and they do like a signature dunk or they go to their dunk package. And like stuff like that is really um, super underrated. And how about icon passing? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, still, I, I still call it direct passing because that's what live used to call it back in the day. But it is icon passing. Yeah, same thing, basically. Yeah, you know, I'd like to know which video game was the first, which basketball video game was the first ever to get icon passing because I use icon passing all the time. Well, like, I mean, I'm I, Live '98 had it in '97, so Live '98 had it in '97. I think a couple of games. It was the first time NBA Live had it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that other games had it before then. So I'm guessing mid '90s. I'd say is when you when that came in at the at the very uh, very latest probably. Icon passing and icon switching. Brilliant. It's such it's a, great. such a, you know, we take that for granted these days, but you go back to a live 95 and you don't have it. You just have to push in the direction and hope that the directional passing will work properly, um, which, right. which which is still a thing. Obviously, directional passing is still a mechanic in the, in the games, but when you have icon passing, there's, there are times when you, uh, when you do. Actually, it, it, it bothers me that we don't have icon passing with alley-oops. Because yeah. Because trying try yeah. to trying to direct an alley oop sometimes, it will go to the wrong play, the wrong player, so that's that still bugs me as of two K twenty one. Yeah, I mean that's we talk about new features. That's something that they could implement. They could find a way to implement that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, because sometimes you'll have like a guy you want to throw an alley oop to, 
running to the rim at the same time you definitely don't want you know at, at the same time as a player that you definitely don't want to throw an ope to and it goes to that guy exactly yeah uh, and that happens yeah and that can happen quite a bit depending so and, and to your no, point to your point about changes sometimes they'll bring in these great mechanics and we, t- we talked about it with shot aiming how we kind of like 2k17 shot aiming a lot more than 2k21's approach on it is that they'll bring these ideas in or like a freestyle superstars and it'll be there for a year or two Quite often, it will be changed after one year. And I know that sometimes concepts do have to evolve and everything, and if they were kept, they would have the problems of their own. Freestyle Superstars certainly had its own drawbacks, but sometimes they do go away from a certain idea too quickly, and it's, uh, it is a shame. I mean, I think about our three-team trades in NBA Live 2001. That was the first and only NBA Live game to have that, and, and then we lost that, that, that ability. Evolve doesn't mean better. It doesn't automatically mean better. Just saying something is newer doesn't make it better. But, you know, I want to bring something up before I talk about the 3D team trade thing is, you know, we talked about NBA 2K16 and how groundbreaking it was for new features and and different things that you could do. Another one, and this was a one-off, like we talked about before, it's the only game with four size-ups. It's the only game with the four size-up system, and it kills me that they didn't continue it. And, you know, you had your back size up, your front size up, your left side up, and your right size up. And what it did was it added this whole new dimension to dribbling, and it added this whole new dimension to authenticity. Um, and, you know, instead of giving Russell Westbrook just one of his signature size ups in the front, you can have him do signature size ups from the left and right and play more like Russell Westbrook and stuff like that. So, like, that was a feature that they implemented in NBA 2K16 that was amazing and i think one of the best um and then all of a sudden it dropped off and they haven't had anything like it since you know they talk about how you know the dribbling they 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 talk about all these enhanced dribbling systems now and you see it all the time like mike wong's talking about it um or desire will talk about it and they'll bring up all this stuff but none of the dribbling is not as not only not as good or feel as good as nba 2k16 but not as not as deep as nba 2k16's dribbling you know for nba 2k21 or uh, NBA 2K and stuff. So it, it declined. It, it, yeah, it, absolutely. And it was also frustrating to have to learn new controls every year. I mean, you can talk about learning curves and get good and master the mechanics, etc., which you have to adjust, which you absolutely have to do. But it felt like there was no consistency for a few years there where they were trying different things and you just get used to one system and then 12 months later they would really revamp it. And as you alluded to, not necessarily for the better. Sometimes they would lose, and, and Live did the same thing with their signature dribbles and their signature size-ups that they had in Live 14, 15. By 16, 18, 19, that system had changed, and it was less sophisticated, although they did bring some other sophistication to it. But making those changes year to year, it, it, when they stopped making some of those huge changes and, and, and had that consistency with the controller layout and the basic mechanics, it was a lot better for the series, both series, because you, you didn't have to relearn this whole system. And, of course, Live 07, so, sometimes it's a good thing they move away from this, the three shoot buttons, and I know this from having played Live 07 recently uh, to get some screenshots again, needed to get some screenshots for future articles, and having to go back to the three shoot buttons, the separate dunk and layup button, not just a separate shoot and dunk layup button, but a shoot, dunk, and layup button. That was overkill. That was, a, that was an example of them trying something for a year and, and making a good decision by moving away from it. No, and I can agree with that. I, I think that's way overkill, and, and mm, more simplified controllers better for not only not only for competition, um, just for overall fun factor. 
I think it, it just makes a lot more sense. I do want to bring up another thing too that's frustrating that they implemented that was great and then they took it away is NBA 2K11, one of the new features, and it's not talked about enough again, is you have to go back and play 2K10 to see it in 2K9 is, you know, better, proper foot planning. They, in 2K11, the, the, and you play 2K11 uh, quite a bit now and you can see it, players foot plan. Absolutely, yeah. For the most part, Less you can stop and shoot. There's less sliding and whatnot, and then they kept that, and they had it for 2K11, 2K12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and then all of a sudden, new motion system, bam, 2K18, 19, 20, 21, skating, poor, uh, poor foot planning. Um, go back and play 2K9, and then go play some of the two re- more recent 2Ks, and you'll see a, sim- uh, a similar um, foot planning issue in those games. Um, actually, 2K9, it's easier to stop on a diamond shoot to be honest with you, than the recent 2Ks. But, yeah, it's another thing where they had that nice feature of, hey, we're going to give you guys more control. Players are going to foot plant properly. You're going to be able to stop on a dime and shoot, all of that stuff. And that's why you and I both love the shooting and the feel overall of NBA 2K17. And then they took it away. So it's, it is. It can get frustrating um when you see that especially because these are supposed to be the evolved new um more enhanced versions of the games indeed indeed one one another innovation that i'll bring up that's it's kind of controversial especially when you get back to last week's conversation about competitive gaming versus sports gaming or sim gaming if you will but the implementation of online team play which came through as a patch for live 08 on uh, ps3 and 360 it was originally uh, very different. You would control an NBA team, and every, everyone would choose one of the players to control. Uh, Adidas Live Run was very different as well, where you would choose to play as an NBA player rather than a personal avatar, as in uh, later career modes. But online team play, for, for all its issues, for all the problems that the competitive scene has brought uh, on itself and also to the offline play, I mean, online team play is, is a big deal, as that was becoming more of a thing that uh, con- consoles were connecting to the internet, we were getting more connected online multiplayer was becoming more of a thing i know it's not really your thing and and obviously once again it has caused problems of its own but the the ability to have up to 10 people on on uh, 10 different consoles playing online each controlling a single player and having to work together as a team conceptually at least is a very creative and potentially fun idea if you're into it it's cool I, I, I think it's a great it's a great thing. It's a great feature for people that, you know, want to get a game together. You had over 500 games on NBA 2K17 um, with your NLSC team. Um, so, obviously, it's good for a lot of people. Um, I do think that, at the same time, it's also hurt the games. In the long run, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I have, this, I have this, like, love-hate thing with it. Like, I see the reason why it's there. I, I, I'm glad that you know, people enjoy it. And I think that if executed properly, it's an amazing feature. And I think you saw that a little bit with NBA Live 19, um, especially even like in the rebirth of NBA Live 19, where people were starting to play it again um, and whatnot, and they were having a good time. So I can see it, um, but I can also see how it's um, hurt other aspects of the games and the focus on that type of play. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a love-hate with those new features. It is hard to give it credit when it's also kind of damaging and such a toxic scene, sadly, because of how, how good it can be. And even going back to playing online team play in NBA Live 08, I got on there for a few games with some of the guys from the community, and it was it was fun at the time. You know, it, it was a novelty. Uh, I didn't have as good of a internet connection then, uh, so it, it wasn't always as uh, 
you talk about lag these days it was <laughs> there was even more problems back then but it's uh, again it's it's conceptually it's very cool even though it does have its problems and it's uh drawbacks of some of the effects that it's had on the scene but it's another one of those big things and of course when they introduced the playground and, and my career in the connected experience it was obviously a big innovation despite some of the drawbacks obviously and you look at the ways that they've combined my league and my gm into my nba and of course what they've done with the M- the WNBA modes in 2k20 2k21 as well has been very impressive and continue to innovate on a mode that is not was once the flagship a mode of the games franchise mode was the mode back in the day now it is more of the my career and the connected modes but they've still been able to add to that and and, and of course add those customization features so as we've talked about before as we look at the 2k22 the idea that oh they've they've done pretty much all they can with the modes whether it be my career or my nba or or my team or anything else and, and once again of course the card collecting modes for all their drawbacks with uh, with being recurrent revenue mechanics driven or, or they are very fun modes if you enjoy them, or, or certainly can be. Uh, but there's still many things they could do with the, with the modes in 2K, and certainly live can as well. But even 2K, for as deep as it is, uh, still so many things they can do, so many things that we can potentially look forward to in uh, in 2K22. Uh, to that point, what are you looking forward to in 2K22 or, or hoping for? Well, I want to bring up a couple of things. Well, first off, my NBA, as deep as it is and how fantastic it is depth-wise, um, there's definitely still more they can do with it. And that's the exciting part. We talked about like roster limits, like, um, you know, allowing us to not have to have 14 players on a roster, stuff like that. Um, there's more customization they can do with it. They can bring that customization into um, out, outside of my NBA and put it in just like regular, you know, offline roster management. So there's still so many things they can do with basketball gaming. So that is exciting. And um, I, I do want to bring up one more new feature that I actually really like. Um, and I think it brings out some awesome animations and whatnot. And that's, um, you know, contact alley-oops, um, contact dunk alley-oops yeah. um, in NBA 2K21. I think that was a great new feature. I think it looks awesome. When we play Legends, it's really cool to see it. Um, there's a lot of different animations as far as, like, how the defenders react to those dunks and, you know, the different style of dunks that you can do and just the contact dunk animations in general. So I do want to say that that's another new feature. D- just to uh, I- just to interject there, the only problem with it is that they didn't add contact blocks. So they are a bit overpowered. That that is something. Yeah, exactly. That, that, yeah. They they really, they really of, needed to do that at the same time. So that was kind of a yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean that's got to be harder to implement. True, uh, I would. But to, but you know this is kind but, of a, an issue. Not to get off track, you know, too much for what we're talking about for two K twenty two. But you look back at some of the the features they've implemented, like a freestyle control, for example. In two thousand three, it was very overpowered. You didn't really. It, it was very much geared towards the offense. You didn't really have the defensive tools to counteract it yet so sometimes games will introduce things but they won't have the counter system in place especially if it's an offensive right, like 2k13 right like yeah. 2K13 where dunking is just ridiculous you can't block dunks, yeah. As a defender. Yeah. yeah you can't really block dunks it's very rare and your hand like goes through the ball mm. like when you're trying to block them i mean stuff yeah so no i, I agree with that so it's uh, it's one of those things where they they've implemented a good idea but they, it's it's kind of half the idea that there needs to be that that counterpunch, that def- usually because, I mean, offense sells. When you look at, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit to this when I'm getting screenshots, most of my screenshots that I get of players are doing something on offense. Because offense is where, I mean, defense wins championships, allegedly, these days, who knows. Um, but, and of course there are defensive highlights, but it is the amazing shots, the up and under layups, the, tr- the tremendous dunks, the, you know, a, a big three-pointer in somebody's face, scoring 
gets attention as far as the highlight reels, usually. When you're allowed to play defense, I mean, that's, that's true as well. But as, as far as mechanics in, in basketball games, there's often a, a, a more of a focus on offensive abilities, sometimes to the detriment of, of not being able to... Of, of the defensive mechanics. So you, you don't actually have the tools to be able to, to play defense. A lot of old basketball games, it is very difficult to play defense because there's just no counter to it. You either get the block or a steal or a foul, sometimes if you like, or you, or you get away with a push, get away with a hand check or something and, and get a steal. Right. Uh, there's Because the physicality wasn't there, you couldn't really alter shots. You either block, again, you either block them or just got the steal. So you didn't have the tools in the older games. And that I've said this before, a staple of bad games is that you have no real defensive mechanics or no effective defensive mechanics. And, and unfortunately, sometimes when these new features have come in, uh, like for, like a freestyle superstars, they are very overpowering because there's no and freestyle superstars did have defensive freestyle superstar moves as well, but they weren't really as deep as the offensive moves, so it was very hard to counter. Right? How many times have you seen that um, Shaquille O'Neal dunk on Chris Dudley? Like hundreds. How many times have you seen a Shaq block? Exactly. See, so I mean, yeah, that's exactly like you said. Offense sells, and that's what we we want to look at and all of that stuff and that's the screenshots and videos we post and stuff you know when i post videos on my youtube for gameplay i try to include some defensive highlights you'll see some blocks and and whatnot um but you're not seeing me put a you know 10 minute block reel for a video game but you will see me do a 10 minute dunk reel so that's just kind of the way it is um and it's exciting and whatnot um nba 2k22 um kind of what i've already mentioned what i'd like to see is that roster limit the, the thing I want to see most is that roster limit go away. You know, the 14-player roster limit. I want there to be a setting. Um, 2K, if you're listening, I want there to be a setting um, that allows us to bypass that 14-player roster limit, and maybe they allow us to have 8 or 10 max on a roster where the game doesn't force players onto your team from the free agent list or from somewhere else in order to fill that roster limit. Um, and the biggest reason is is because, as we know, retro rosters are still king in a lot of ways you know those they're downloaded a lot uh, people love to download retro single season rosters or classic teams rosters and all of that stuff and 14 players wasn't always a requirement number one number two we're limited with assets that we can use so um i think that um that would be number one uh, number two the in season my league customization I'd like it to be brought into out of season. So I'd like to, to be part of regular roster management where we get, get back to the point where we can create teams, um, but we can also create, you know, their jerseys and have that same customization and stadium customization um, and whatnot. And we can create those teams in um, just regular roster management. And that would add once again, a ridiculous dimension um, to retro roster and roster making in general, whatever, whatever concept you can really think of. Um, so, and then you can share those rosters and people can just go and grab them and, and do what they want with them and then throw them into a my league. So those would be the two features that I'd like to see the most. So from a g- gameplay perspective, um, what I'd like to see is strong defensive AI stronger defensive ai as a feature i know that sounds like you're all well it's not really a feature but it is kind of it's a gameplay feature that i need worth mentioning. you know they yeah it's worth mentioning the the we shouldn't have the ability to just run by the computer go wide and score um we 
you know, proper foot planning is still a must. Um, stronger um, AI awareness where we can't just run up the middle of the floor and then a player, instead of reacting to the ball, he's just looking at his assignment and he just lets the offensive player run by him for an easy score. Stuff like that. Um, I think that feature-wise, defensive AI needs to be paramount um, and not at the peril of offensive effectiveness or feel either like you don't you shouldn't have to like you shouldn't have to slow down the offense or make the offense handicap just to make the defense seem better like it all needs to work as one solid cohesive unit um i think that another thing is out of the box with default sliders the game feels very sluggish on nba 2k 21 next gen i talked about this on another episode where without slider tweaks you really feel like you're running in the mud and they really need to focus on feel, um, you know, how players really move in real life, like how humans move, how these athletes move. Um, and those players need to feel um, light. Um, they need to, you know, be able to move, uh, the way they do in real life, et cetera. And I think that would add a lot to the, um, the feel of the game. And then lastly, um, you know, I've talked about this before. I've made a couple threads on it. They need somebody who knows hoop, who's going to go in, and make these classic teams the right way. They make these classic players the right way, signature-wise, tendency-wise, and whatnot. Um, they need to represent these players and teams properly because using the classic teams sucks. I'm going to say that right now. I, I don't know any other way to put it. It sucks. They don't play right. The players move in slow motion. The players don't have the proper signatures. They don't play the way they do in real life at all. It's like just fake depth so one of the features i'd like is actual focus with somebody who knows hoop because the people that are doing those classic teams rosters either don't know hoop or they're just throwing a bunch of crap against the wall because it's a low priority it's true so um yeah I, i'd like somebody who knows hoop into those rosters making those players representing them properly representing those teams properly so people get a good idea of how these players and teams really played um out of a respect standpoint out of a fun standpoint gameplay wise etc and a competitive standpoint so that that's what i'd like to really see in nba 2k22 i'm all for that as well i will absolutely co-sign that um no disagreements uh, whatsoever not too much uh, to add specifically uh Things that would really excite me to see in the previews, uh, I would love to see if they could demonstrate less canned situations, because we saw a lot of those in 2K21. It does feel like we've regressed to the mid-2000s or even earlier in some of the so some of the issues that you see. And again, having gone back and played Live 07 recently, seeing, seeing certain things that I can say, I recognize this issue is still happening in 2K21. Of course, that's two different companies. But again, around about that time, all games were using these techniques that we, we we're seeing the strings we're not seeing we're seeing the mechanics on display with ball warping and and the, and the cpu playing by different rules and maybe sometimes different rules of physics so less can animations more balance uh that would definitely excite me uh more retro teams and and, and full retro teams and of course done properly as you said if they would add some more teams it would be would be awesome um if they if they would add a legends pool uh, i mean again it's it seems so unlikely because of course that goes against being able to make money in my team but if they were to do something like that and expand roster editing in that way that would be awesome uh, if they were to bring back some kind of challenge mode where you could use really made use of those uh, historical teams, not just in play now. Of course, you can use them in uh, my league, my NBA, as uh, you and your brothers do. 
but if they brought back some kind of challenge mode with rewards and unlockable content, uh, not not paid for content, but you actually have to play to earn it, uh, like the Jordan Challenge, like NBA's Greatest, I, I think that would definitely excite me as well. Uh, if they were to add matchmaking, deeper matchmaking to the connected online experience in in Micro's connected modes, that is vital. Uh, if they were to to really clean up that experience with, with, with again with proper matchmaking, with uh, with mechanics that cut down on on toxicity and, and make the community friendlier, and make it so that you know when people say get good, you actually have that learning curve to get good, and you and you have an arena to get good. Rocket League does it so well. It's why Rocket League has a, a great esports league, and, and also why it has a great uh, home competitive league as well, home competitive play, online play. 2K is just so far behind in that. That's they really need to clean that up if they were to do that. Uh, it would certainly encourage. I know my, uh, me and and some and others that I played with. Uh, you know, Ben and Kenny and and uh, Leo and uh, and the X etc. Might get back onto that if they if that was better. Uh, and of course, conceptually, you need to do things like less less grindy uh, mechanics in my career and in some of the things that I do in my team with the auction house where the auction house prices are so out of control. If they can regulate that a bit better. And and stop the the whole situation with my, with MT being able to be bought by third party from third parties and and just, just, just contributing to the auction house being out of control. Uh, that's something they need to clean up. Uh, as far as other modes and content, uh, yeah, like you said, being able to have those historical rules and and be able to change some of the restrictions in uh, in my NBA. Yeah, that's that's kind of the things that would uh, excite me. I mean, I mean, some of the things that they announced for over the last couple of years. You know, some of them sounded good, some of them worked out okay, but it's been a while since I've been really excited to hear something. But but something like that, and if they can actually prove it, and, and actually have, in the gameplay blog, actually have videos that show an improvement, and show less canned animations, and show less canned situations, and, and phony moments, and, and actually add some, you know, bring back custom teams, if they were to bring back some things like that, that that's what would really get me hyped for NBA 2K22. I think... Um... A couple of things I want to point out really quick. So for I don't think a Legends pool is really necessary in NBA um, NBA 2K, um, the newest ones. I think it would be something that people would kind of be like, why is this here? Because we already have all the all-time teams and classic teams where you can just grab players. Um, but I, I can see how it would be kind of ease of use, maybe different versions of players, even though that's also kind of in the classic teams, all-time teams thing, where you can just quickly pluck them from a Legends pool, almost like you could in the old NBA Live games. But I, I'm not sure that that's something that we'd ever see. I mean, that, 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 that is true. You, you can use it that way, especially with the multiple versions. It's it's more a case of being able to do that without destroying the... You know, be, be able to keep those those uh, teams intact while also... Or having a, having a proper... Yeah, or having a proper clone yeah. player option. How about that? How, you know, I know we've got player DNA, but if you could have a proper clone player that clones it with all their stats and everything else immediately, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I think DNA covers... You, you just mentioned covers a lot of what of that. But yeah, I think... But the Legends pools in the old lives were great, though, weren't they? They were just fantastic. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I do want to, one of the greatest new features, too, I want to bring up really quick before we move to the mailbag, is the ability to run a fantasy draft with all the different options where it's like keep best. Or, you know, you can select only from the current NBA teams or you can include all the NBA teams. So I don't know if that was a leftos thing or if that was um, who thought of that, but that was an amazing thing. It allows us, you know, my brothers and I to jump into a fantasy draft with legends and just keep the best version of each legend. So it automatically chooses them um, and then we can just jump in. And I think that that is a very underrated rated and not talked about new feature. 
It's that was the, the little quality of life right. things, yeah. They're, they're the things that you don't really notice yeah. until they're gone. Right, it's a big thing for us. Mm. Um, because otherwise we would have had to, like, select, like, or, like, put the legends on regular teams, like the ones that we wanted, but now all we have to do is keep best. So I think that's pretty cool. So, you know, good good job on them for that. So the, the little things can be very big at the end of the day. Ease of use and, and yeah. just being able to... To, to facilitate these different experiences and, and the fun, uh, yeah, it, it's it's the little things that you that you don't really think of. Uh, may, maybe not everybody uses them, but those who do, uh, they're just so so valuable. One hundred percent, and it all obviously depends on the end user. But I, I guarantee we're not the only ones that use that. So that feature. So those are some of the things that we're looking forward to in NBA Two K Twenty Two that would hype us up, and some of the things that have excited us in uh, in previous. Uh, games for each generations and i would like to be excited again derek you know uh, it's hard not to feel cynical as you get older and you've played a lot of games and you've been let down a few times and of course there are there are concepts these days with again recurrent revenue mechanics and certain design approaches that they're not really meant for us um, and of course there's something else that i would throw out there of course is being able to uh, have a, a streamlined experience not have to run around the city although that that seems like a pipe dream quite frankly i don't think they're going to move away from that but if they can bring those things back, if, if they can if they can cater to as many people as possible, and if they can bring back some cool features and, and really polish up some mechanics. Um, no, I mean, I, I want to enter every previous season as optimistically as possible. I, I think sometimes a little bit of cynicism and, and certainly skepticism is healthy, but it's, you know, uh, we were talking about it before we started recording the show, you know, what we're going to talk about this week, and there's, there's a topic that we want to circle back to at, at a certain point, but... You know, we, we looked at some of the, the topics we've talked about in recent shows, and of course, we never want to sugarcoat anything, or or lie, or or kiss ass, or anything like that. But we we thought that you know we, we have been talking about some, we have been covering some issues that we maybe feel a bit cynical, a bit negative about. So it's 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 been good to reflect on on features and content that really uh, pleased us in previous games and really hyped us up for the new game. And I, I would love to continue to feel that way because it's it's not fun to to feel cynical, and it's. Uh, you know, it, it is. It can be such a, a negative, toxic emotion at times. It's not without reason, obviously. But no, I, I want to enter the, you know, try and have a, as open mind as possible with every previous season, while also taking things with a grain of salt and you know, not getting too ahead of myself or anything. But no, you know, I, I want to enjoy basketball gaming, so I, I want to have fun with the previous season as well. So, hoping for the best. Yeah, I, like I told you before the call, um, my brother and I my brothers and I went back and tried to play like a draft on NBA 2K21 for the PC and like a fantasy draft. And, you know, we're all playing on the same team and we played a game and the amount of frustration was unbelievable. Trying to dodge issues and, and the delay in passing and the being sucked into defenders and like two or three seconds to make a pass that should happen immediately. Um, dropping the ball in the post for no reason, missing constant layups right at the hoop with a bigger guy and a smaller guy just because his body became attached to us. Um, just the uh, constant skating, not being able to stop on a diamond shoot, stuff like that. So we, we played one game and then immediately switched back. We were like, this is something that is not doing it for us. Um, it's a healthy, healthy decision to do that as well. Yeah, we went back to play 2K17, and it was just such a free-flowing, more fun, um, more realistic, actually, experience, etc., um, without the delay, without the frustrations, without the constant trying to dodge exploits, all of that stuff, um, and you know, dodge legacy issues. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that out, too, is 
we want these games to be great, and I want to be super excited about NBA 2K22, but I'm still skeptical. And the reason is, is because every time I go back and play NBA 2K21, especially in, like, a atmosphere or against my brothers or, like, on the same team when, you know, there's collaboration and there needs to be a certain type of, you know, play style and all of that stuff, it just super frustrates us. So, yeah, I'm... I'm I want to get super excited about it, but I'm not as excited about these newer NBA 2Ks as I was back when we were getting 2K11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Well, we, we can also see the direction. So it's, again, there, there is, it's hard to shake some of that cynicism, but if they can also do some things that cater to our tastes as well, so much the better. But uh, I, I will say 2K17, very responsive, unless it's over Parsec, in which case we still need to work out a couple of kinks there. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, okay, exactly. still one of our favorite games. So we have arrived at the mailbag, which of course we love doing, Derek, and we have a couple more questions from uh, Sega Geek Navare to get to this week. Uh, yeah, some interesting questions to sink our teeth into. Yep, thanks a lot for the questions. Always good questions. Uh, you guys come up with stuff every week, so we appreciate it. And definitely keep it coming. But with that being said, uh, Sega Geek Navare wants to know about our thoughts, our overall thoughts, on NBA Live 09 on PlayStation 2. This has come up during the course of this show, and uh, yeah, we do definitely have some thoughts on that, Derek. I told you I just revisited that, actually, because I was playing NBA Live 08. My brother and I started a season with Legends, and then I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to play NBA Live 09 for PS2 and see how that feels, because I, you know, I want to revisit it. Good timing. And <laughs> from, a, from a graphics perspective, um, I like what they did. I think it looks good for a PlayStation 2 title. Um, I like the difference in camera views. I really like the Skybox um, camera in that game um, when you zoom it out and whatnot um, the default broadcast camera is a little bit too low um, but it does give you a different perspective and a different look for NBA Live it's just not my favorite camera view um, I love the presentation on NBA Live 08 and NBA Live 09 for PS2 I like the menus I like the high the real highlights that are shown all of that stuff um, roster management again is still uh, it has the Legends pool, though the Le Legends pool is kind of limited. Like, you have an 83 overall Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and that's the only choice you have. It's the bald one. Um, and you can't, like, David Robinson, I believe, is missing from the Legends pool, but he's on the um, all-decade teams, but you can't move him. So there's, like, some limitations with, like, the Legends um, with that game. Um, from a gameplay perspective, it took a major step back from NBA Live 08 PS2. And the biggest reason is, is because all of a sudden your player, you lost control of your players. Like if you try to take, go to like run in a straight line, they'll go wide. Or if you try to make a turn a corner, they make you go wider than you really actually intend to go. Um, the mechanics just seem off. Um, you don't have as much control over the dribbling. There's a lot of momentum with the dribbling. So even if you just try to stop and do a quick change of direction, like through the legs and go an opposite way, the game drags you forward. Um, and you don't have control. Um, so my thing with NBA Live 09 for PS2, I think it's far worse from a gameplay perspective than Live 08 for PS2. Like, it took a step back. And it sounds like, what it seems like is they tried to make some slight tweaks to the motion system, and in doing so, they took control away from the user. Um, I want, you know, say Geek Navari, if you own those games, or anybody else who owns those games, I want you to play those games back-to-back. -back. Play Live 08 and then Live 09 for PS2, and you'll see the big difference in player movement. It's, you know, it, I, I won't say that no if it was put into it, because that that's a, you know, laziness. We, we throw that word, people throw that word around way too much. 
and there is definitely effort there and, and they were trying which i'll get into in a moment there's something that they did that wasn't you know we, we talked earlier about things that were making it into last gen and not current gen or next gen as the case may be and there is a, a great example of that in live 09 for ps2 gameplay wise absolutely rough uh, very sloppy. Uh, I, I didn't really care for lightweight PS2 or PC either. There's an issue where you get stuck on the free throw line uh, when, you, when you, you can't move your players along the the free throw lane until the, the ball hits the rim. Not just the shooter, but the other players as well. Uh, shot distribution, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of garbage. Uh, the same hey, engine I is. Want to Did I tell you about? Jer- I'm sorry, I need to interrupt you. Did I tell you about Jermaine O'Neal? Uh no. People would be interested in this, so. Play NBA Live 08, play it on the hardest difficulty, and go against the Pacers. They go to Jermaine O'Neal like 100% of the time. He, he, he attempted over 80 shots against us. Yeah. And, and we're using legends, and he shot, and he scored 81 points. And it literally, it doesn't matter what defense is on you. It doesn't matter if you throw two people on him. It doesn't matter what you're doing. They will go. It doesn't matter if you're standing in front of him. They will throw it to Jermaine O'Neal, and he will score. And he will go up immediately right when he catches the ball. It doesn't matter what defense you're playing. So it's super frustrating. So I agree with you about the gameplay balance. Um, that is one big problem, shot distribution in NBA Live 08. It's, in Live 09 PS2, I had a game where Jason Richardson, then of the Bobcats, uh, scored over 100 points against me on 12 minute quarters. Again, trying to do everything I could, but he's, he's abusing the, the, kind of the, the remnants of the go-to moves, the just unstoppable dunks. Again, the, the, a contact dunk animation that you can't really do anything about, which is, uh, again, kind of, as we said, a situation that's uh, read its ugly head in 2K21, although the, the animations in 2K21 much better, much more enjoyable for that matter. Uh, the sim engine is broken in Dynasty mode. Uh, the, the, the simulated stats are just just complete garbage. I, I don't know what happened in Live 08 and, and Live 09. Um, it's, it's not a very fun game for me to, to revisit because it just doesn't give me any kind of experience um, that, that I uh, enjoy. Interestingly, when you start up the game, it does present you with the option whether you want a uh, arcade or simulation uh, settings. Uh, if, if no matter you... what, you get arcade. You can choose whatever you want. I mean, that's true. Get... Yeah, it's just whether you want the... <laughs> it, uh, whether it, whether it turns the rules off or not. Basically, the style of play right. is the same. Absolutely true. So it, it's not a very fun game to play from that perspective. The interesting thing, though, is that it ha- it has a mode called Be a Pro. And, and Be A Pro was also in the PS3 and Xbox 360 version of NBA Live 09. And in that version, it, it was a single-game version. In the, in the PS3 and Xbox 360, Be A Pro was a single-game version of online team play, but offline. So it was kind of like a practice version of online team play, where you could just control a single player and play with them and try and get the highest grade possible, just to, just to really practice being player-locked. There was no actual career mode. In the PS2 version, however, Be A Pro was actually a single-season career mode. It is the first, I, I think, career mode in Live or 2K. It was in Live 09 PS2. Again, Live didn't have it till Live 14 with Rising Star. My player didn't come in until 2K10. So you kind of have that story mode in NBA The Life, but it, it's it's very different. It's more scenarios rather than what what they did. I mean, it, again, it's, it was more like a modern... Uh, career mode except a single season and it was just there in the ps2 version and not the ps3 or the xbox 360 version so it just very randomly had the better version and as a forerunner to the modern career mode in that version it was weird testing testing grounds pretty much yeah yeah that's the way i look at it it's used as testing grounds um 
yeah, I, you know, to go back, I, I just want to go back to what I was saying about it, to go back to his original question, you know, what do you think of it? I think that, you know, we hate to say laser or whatever, but I think that at that point with NBA Live 09 PC, they were kind of mailing it in. And the way I look at it is from a gameplay perspective, it feels like they kind of mailed it in. Um, and they were just kind of throwing features into the game that have just been in just like the most recent games without any like major upgrades and stuff like that. I think that um, I, I will say this, and I don't know how much you're going to agree with this. I think that the graphics in NBA Live 08, and I said this before, and NBA Live 09 are quite a bit better than like Live 06. I think they're cleaner. I think they, um, I think they, uh, they're more appealing. Been lighting, um, yeah. So that's, um, yeah. that's the lighting. Yeah. And and even the player models look a little bit better and whatnot in the faces. I, like, I think overall those games from a graphical standpoint did make a jump. Um, and they look, there is some, they, they were trying to try to push the most they could out of that, that, that hardware. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and I and think they did. I think they got a lot out of it. I think it looks pretty good, but. And, yeah. and you're right that they also added as much as they could. I mean, they, they added the extra FIBA teams in Live 09, and they made it into uh, PS2 as well. So they were doing that. They even had... They tried to put DNA in there. Obviously, there couldn't be updates to it, so I don't know why they bothered to do streaks and DNA in in, in that, because it had a lot... <laughs> I want to point something out. That is a good point about the FIBA team too. They, it's, so maybe mailing it in is the wrong word. Um, maybe they pushed it as far as they thought they could. I mean, maybe that's well. They they added a few things that would to have new things. Obviously, so they added things that they could add, and adding new teams and players that's just artwork and database work, right? So it's it wasn't really mechanics or, or features as such. Although again, they did have the be a promo that was essentially a single season career mode which was again mind-blowing that they did that but when you look at the rest of it the broken sim engine nothing else was really new uh you kind of have the half-hearted version of dynamic dna which you can't really have dynamic dna for a version that doesn't get roster updates it doesn't get actual dynamic updates so it was kind of everybody a lot of players were starting the season on a cold streak and never really I mean, it just affected the whole simulator performance and in gameplay performance as well my, my to sum it up my overall thoughts on live 09 ps2 I'm going to quote myself from my review that I posted of it back in the day. I called it inexcusably sloppy. And uh, it's, it's a term that I've come to use whenever I'm really frustrated with what, what seems like a lack of effort. Uh, it, it was actually outsourced, much like the 08 for PS2 and PC, outsourced to HB Studios, uh, which now actually works with 2K on, their, um, on, on the golf game that they do. What used to be the golf club, and now it's um, PGA 2K. Uh, but they, they've made some pretty good games over the years, but those versions that they've worked on, uh, EA outsourced the, the prior-gen, current-gen version, what do you want to call it, the PS2 version of Live 09 and uh, Live 08 PC and PS2 uh, to HP Studios. So EA won't even really have anything directly to do with it. Uh, that's why the PC version had no patch. Uh, they were afterthoughts and, and, and pretty sloppy products overall. So unfortunately... Um, Inexcusably sloppy, though, is mainly based on the gameplay. Like, if the game played great, you wouldn't have given that name. And that's why it's so important oh, for yeah. the game to play. Oh, yeah. It, that's it, why it's so important. That The player movement in that game is not good in NBA Live 09 PS2. You, you don't have the same control over dribbling. There's a huge delay when you try to execute dribbling moves. Like I said, there's forward momentum. That, that the game just pushes you into certain directions. You don't have the same control. So inexcusably sloppy is mainly based on gameplay. And that's why, remember, that's why 2K18 sloppy gameplay got the reaction that it did. It, it's it not did, because yeah. 2K18 lacked depth it's not because it lacked depth or lacked features that people wanted 
really. It was more of the fact that when you got onto the court, it was sloppy. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the term I would use for 2K18 is inexcusably greedy with the paid haircuts and everything, but that's, oh, yeah. that's another story. I mean, that and, and the bugs with the sim engine that weren't fixed. There was a lot of things, a lot of legacy issues at that time that it was clear that that version was being phased out. And that they did put some effort into it, but it was it was as much effort as an afterthought was going to get, and which is to say not much. But uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty disappointing release. Not surprised that that it was the last release for PS2 for NBA Live. Um, uh, PS3, 360, and of course Live 10 was a pretty damn good game in many ways. Although it, it also had a problem with the sim engine in, uh, in Dynasty mode as well. Uh, that's a topic for another time. But yeah, uh, I, I would say inexcus- inexcusably sloppy. Makes sense to me. So thank you for the question, and hopefully NBA Live 09 is not a favourite of yours that we've just been <laughs> trashing and dumping on it, but that is their honest opinion, obviously, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's often the way it goes with uh, with, a, with a prior-gen version. And, and this kind of leads into uh, Sega Navari's second question uh, this week, which is, do you guys tend to continue to buy newer sports titles on old-gen when they came out, such as uh, 2K6 through 2K12 on PS3 or 2K15 to 2K18 on PS3? So again, continue to collect on that prior-gen uh, when there's when we have a new gen console to play with, and for me, Derek, it depends. Sometimes I have, and of course, there's been a, with some uh, with with 2K14 and now 2K21, the PC version has been that prior gen port rather than the new gen port for that first year. So I've, in that respect, I've, I've had the prior gen version. Um, there have been times when I've continued to get that that old version. Live09 is actually an example, but but yeah, quite often I've I've not. Quite often I've stopped collecting and. As I look towards 2K22, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be getting it on PS4. I might pick it up when it's cheap, but I'll be looking at PC and PS5. So, as you know, I spent an, a ridiculous amount of time on NBA 2K14 for the PC. Um, thousands of hours. And, of course, NBA 2K14 came out for Xbox One and PS4. Um, so the PC version was a last-gen port. And the reason I spent so much time we alluded to this on earlier on the podcast the reason i spent so much time on nba 2k14 for the pc is not only for the modding capabilities but just because it was a fully featured game and um it had more than enough depth and equal or better gameplay um than the next gen version so i will absolutely dip if the game has enough depth like i'll double dip if the game has enough depth and the gameplay is fun and I've done that. There's so many different examples of me actually doing that. Um, in the past, a game like NBA Live 06 is one of them, where I have both versions, next gen and what was the current gen, you know, at the time. So, yeah, I mean, the, where it stops for me is with, like, I didn't, I mean, I have them now, but at the time I didn't get, like, NBA 2K15 for PS3. Because NBA 2K15 was fully featured for next gen and the gameplay was better, right? So, like, I, I didn't get NBA 2K16 for um, PS3 or 2K17 for PS3 at the time and all of that stuff because I really enjoyed the next gen product and it came with the graphics, gameplay, and depth that I wanted. So, I think that's where it, what it comes down to for me. Yeah, I'm the same way. I I have gone and got 2K15 for PS3 uh, more recently. 2K16 onwards, I believe it did started to definitely become an afterthought, and it wasn't getting the same kind of effort. I, th- I think a lot of the, uh, well, sorry, which which versions did you say you have? You have you have 2K16, 17 on PS3. I have I have them all now. 
have more um, now. But at the time, I didn't. Yeah, it'd be for collecting. Yeah, um, so I, I've to look at them. Yeah, they're interesting like, to look, look at. Absolutely, I've I've collected from that, but at the time, I did stop getting it on on most of those platforms. Uh, for two K sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, I've played two K fifteen. I haven't played those ones. I I have heard that a lot of the rookies are just very bare bones, almost generic faces. Is is that the case? That they that a lot of the rust is is just very not a lot of effort put into them it's it's a lot more copy and paste uh, i'm that... not sure i'm gonna 100 percent agree with that because i actually put on like 2k17 and 2k18 and a lot of the um the rookies not only do they have the faces for a lot of the rookies but they also have next gen versions converted okay for faces. okay so uh, i've, I've heard wrong there i've heard wrong think there. it was yeah there's a more effort and i mean they changed like the edit player screen and all of that stuff like there's a little bit more effort than people like to say there is i think from a gameplay perspective i think it's really um just an extension of nba 2k14 pc and um, 2k14 ps3 so they really didn't expand much on the gameplay so i think that's where you can knock it right um, right but the, co- but the content is actually the- pretty up to date well, of, the content of, of, of those seasons. Part. Monsters, oh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, you're missing um, the new classic teams. Like what they have is they still only have the classic teams for memory. They only have the classic teams that are from NBA 2K14. So uh, it doesn't. Right. Um, yeah, it stops at like the Sixers or Lakers or whatever in 01. Um, and no all-time teams for 2K18 and things like that. that right, no all-time teams and stuff. So I agree. So I agree from that perspective. But as far as like faces and rookie faces and stuff no is it no it's not as good as the next gen versions but they put a little bit more effort than what people lead into okay so yeah, lead I, on to. I, i'd heard wrong there i'd heard that they weren't really doing the faces or portraits for the new players but uh, for the new rookies so that's uh, that's good to know that they were at least doing that but as you say not you're not really getting the innovation with uh, with the gameplay etc maybe that changes for ps4 and x1 but i mean i i haven't touched the ps4 version of 2k21 uh in months now i think it's been at least a couple of months and i think i only fired it up to get or maybe when the last patch came through just so that i had the patch and, and just went into it to get the rosters updated as well but yeah i've been playing 2k21 next gen i've, I've not really been touching the pc version of 2k21 either so yeah it, it is one of those things where i don't really see myself doing it this generation maybe when it's cheap and, and just picking it up as as a collector you know being the mad collector that i am maybe i'll do it that way but getting getting three different versions, PS4, PC, and PS5, when 2K22 comes out, for example, uh, no, I won't be doing that because I wasn't doing that last generation as, as well, the previous two generations. It was collecting after the fact uh, because there's only so much, so many, so many hours in the day. There's only, only so much time you can put into playing the games and uh, and enjoying them, and and you do get hooked eventually on the the what is the the current generation then the the uh, superior current generation that's being updated and, and getting all the innovations so yeah for the most part i i for live for live i was when live was coming out on pc because pc was technically a prior gen slash current gen port whatever you want to call it ps2 port so i, I was doing it then while also getting the more up-to-date version for at the time xbox 360 but but generally speaking yeah i i haven't really collected uh, backwards until later when it's cheaper yeah, exactly. That's the same thing with me. Like, I picked up NBA 2K17, 2K18, etc. for PS3 for, like, a buck a piece. Or, like, or like two bucks a piece when at GameStop. It, it annoys like, me when I see it on eBay prices, and I'll see it for going for 50, 60 Australian dollars. And I'm thinking, this is an old game, and it's not a rare collectible. There are a lot of these made, even the prior gen versions. 
you know, it's it's ridiculous sometimes. There's a, I mean, you'll see a lot of games there. I mean, there's that those sealed copies of, of NBA 2K10 PC, which was not a rare game, but because it's a sealed game because of Kobe's passing, they're trying to get a thousand dollars for it. Um, which I, I, as I said in my Friday Five article, I find it a bit distasteful, quite frankly, on top of everything else. But there's also there's no way I'm spending a thousand. 2K10's a, a solid game, but and uh, you know it, it is kind of a collector's item, obviously with Kobe's tragic passing, but. I'm I'm not spending a thousand dollars US on it, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just that's absolutely ridiculous. That's I mean, idea. I have the Legends edition. I have the Legends edition of NBA 2K17. That's like me peddling it. Yeah, They're like hey, Kobe's on the front. You know, so yeah, it's it's a bit gross, but it, sometimes they will put with a higher price because oh, it's old. Like, yeah, but they're they're very common. The annual releases are very common. An NBA Elite 11, an unreleased game. Yeah, that that's going to be more. The college games, which were in. Uh, in high demand because they're, they're collectibles now and there were less copies of them because they're North American exclusives. You can understand them being a bit more expensive. Uh, a, uh, a Scotty Pippen, uh, Studio Scotty Pippen for PC, complete in box, $80 Australian. Pretty much a steal considering they're going for 150 to $200. But, you know, an, an NBA 2K15 or NBA 2K16 for a PS3 or Xbox 360 and you're trying to get 40 50 $60 off that, it's not that rare. It's not that rare, people. No, I can find that in a local GameStop easily. So, yeah, yeah that's absolutely ridiculous. Definitely, definitely shop around, yeah. Don't pay eBay prices. Excuse me, yes, used. Yeah, I mean, it's used, but I still can get it. Like, I can get it whenever I want, so, yeah. I mean, sometimes if... Well, sometimes those copies are new and sealed, and I, I know that anything that's new and sealed, the quality plus the rarity of it being new and sealed makes it a kind of a collectible. So, yes, you sometimes pay more for new and complete and sealed in box, etc. But even so, for for a game that old... It's uh, we talked about this before the digital copies how they don't come down in price even though that once their service gets shut down they lose half of their features so yeah trying to sell old games at that kind of premium when they're when they're very common games and not collectors items uh, as a collector uh, yeah I I, uh, I will not give you my money for those yeah exactly no I, I definitely agree so to go circle back I basically I'll buy it for a collector's item but as far as like playing it. Um, yeah, I'll play it if the depth is sufficient and if the gameplay is solid. And sometimes that is the case, like with 2K14 PC. And of course it is interesting to revisit, especially as a content creator. I mean, I did that way back Wednesday on 2K15 for PS3 because it was uh, I hadn't played it the first time around. So it's interesting to go back and see what you've missed because sometimes you do see things like 2K15, uh, PS3 and, and 360 brought back crew mode. It wasn't the crew mode as people remembered it and wanted it, but they, they brought it back nevertheless. It was more like the modern version of Pro-Am, actually, that they did it. But in any case, but you do see things like that. You do see, again, like Live 09, the, the, the full version of Be A Pro, the, the complete season version of Be A Pro. Sometimes there are these these gems, these hidden gems in the, the prior-gen version. So it's worth checking out if you uh, if you can budget for it. So, you know, as a content creator, it's obviously important to have this stuff. And... I, I do plan on at some point being more active with my YouTube channel. So having like the older titles and double dipping and all of that stuff that holds um, importance for me, I think for the average person though, who doesn't um, have a YouTube channel or, or does, isn't a content creator or um, doesn't, doesn't care about um, looking back um, at these new, these, um, these older titles and whatnot uh, or like the quote unquote lesser version of a title. I, I think that um, it can be hard to come to the 
the mindset of buying both um, or buying the uh, the the less enhanced quote unquote title. So it's yeah, hard, it's interesting. It's hard, I you, hard, and I, you and I are yeah. you and I are rare. Yeah, yeah. Um, one way of putting it. That question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so answering that question is more of a personal answer um, and more of an answer that really caters to like our style. It, it is. It is. But it's, it's fun to reflect upon, and of course, it, it you do have to be that avid collector to really, or a content creator who who was into uh, exploring the past like that to really get into it. But it's it's interesting. I, I think probably a few people have double dipped, like us. I'm sure we're not alone. We may be rather extreme in our collecting, but I think certainly people do uh, do get. And, and if you, if you don't up to, if you <clears throat> if you don't upgrade to the new console straight away, you know that's another thing. You may not get the the new version right away either. Right, exactly. I think we, um, I think we're in a good place though, as far as um, getting new basketball titles, and and I want to say that because I do think that NBA Live is coming back. So whether they come back on PS4, that's going to be a question mark. Um, I think that if they do come back, maybe they will release one. Um, but my guess, and I said this on a prior podcast, is I don't think they'll release for PS4. I don't think it's the um, right. I think that, yeah. Yeah, I think what they're going to end up doing, they're going to go strictly next-gen. And if you want to get NBA Live, you're going to be on next-gen. Um, so I think that's what's going to end up happening. So there will be no option to double-dip on um, NBA Live 22 if it comes out. Um, it is nice that NBA 2K is probably going to release a few more versions, my, is my guess, for NBA 2K um, on PS4, Xbox One generation, because as we've talked about before, the jump in graphics isn't that much. Um, for the next-gen version, and I think a lot of people may want to sit on um, playing PS4. Definitely, um, definitely. That, that version. So, yeah, it's an option. So thank you for all, both the questions this week, Sergey Navarre. Uh, love your feedback in the forum. It uh, definitely makes us feel good to know that people are tuning in and are so passionate about the show and so passionate about the mailbag. Uh, keep the questions coming. Never, never apologize for sending in too many. No such thing. Once again, if you want to get involved in the mailbag segment of the podcast, uh, you can send that to podcast at mba-live.com or hit us up in the forum, the main page bulletins, or of course our social media, which we'll be getting to shortly. But that does bring us to the end of episode number 373 of the NLSC podcast. We thank you for tuning in. The podcast comes out each and every week on the NLSC, which is mba-live.com, of course. We're also on various podcatching apps and platforms, all the major ones at least, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, to name just a few. Please feel free to leave us a review on any platforms that allow it. Definitely helps out with our ego and the visibility of the show. But as long as you're tuning in each and every week and enjoying the show, that is the main thing. And as we wrap up here, Derek, uh, let's promote our socials and any other final words for our lovely listeners. Oh, absolutely. Um, first off, thanks to, thank you for t- tuning in again. Um, we appreciate it. Um, pretty soon we'll be coming up on 100 episodes together. So that's pretty wild. Um, that's crazy, yeah. So you can reach me uh, on Twitter at D for 384 where I'm the most active. Also, my new um, D for 3 gaming channel on Twitter at D for 3 g um, so you can reach me on there. I'm on the NLSC D for three. I've been releasing a bunch of cyber faces and working on mods recently. Um, so you can check me out on there. I'm on IG. So Instagram, um, D for three, um, and excuse me, D for 384. And then I'm also on YouTube D for three. And I do plan, it's just been really tough to find the space, um, and time. Um, but I do want to record holding court with D for three episode 17 shortly. So Andrew will be my guest again, and hopefully we can get that done soon. But, um, yeah, thank you again for tuning into this episode of the NLC podcast. Indeed. And stay tuned for holding court as well. As I said, at the top of the show, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. 
The NLSC's social media handles are The NLSC on Twitter and Facebook. We are NLSC Basketball on Instagram. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give a luck to the NLSC itself, nb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.